Hey, it's Scott Walker here on another episode of You Can't Recall Courage, and uh, we're glad you joined us on this podcast. Today we're going to talk about something that Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Eric Holder are all jumping on this past week, and that's redistricting. I know you might say, well, that's not till after the 2020 census. It really doesn't start till 2021. Wrong. I mean, these guys have been on it. In fact, the left has been talking about redistricting for almost the past decade, almost like a cult. And uh, this week I got a uh, another email. It's kind of funny. I actually am on Hillary Clinton's email list. So it said, Scott, when this country was founded, voting was a right for some and a pipe dream for others. While generations of courageous advocates and leaders have helped extend that right to more and more people, the, quote, one voice, one vote, quote, unquote, system is still up against the mass gerrymandering that has happened under Republican-controlled state legislatures and governorships since the 2010 elections. She continues, Our friends at the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, an Onward Together grantee, Onward Together is her little group, an Onward Together guarantee, have a plan to combat map manipulation by targeting 16 state legislative chambers and three gubernatorial races in the in 2019-20 cycle. If you care about redistricting, fair redistricting, sign up now to learn more about their plan. So it continues, Republicans in states across the country have manipulated the system in order to choose their voters rather than the voters choose their representatives. We've seen the effects of gerrymandering at every level, including more than one presidential election in recent history. Ending map manipulation at the national and state level is crucial to the future of our democracy. She continues to go on and ask for money, which, of course, is what these things are all about. It's about money and power. Uh, let's not mistake ourselves along the way. And so it's just amazing to me. So she says Republicans in states across the country have manipulated the system in order to choose their voters rather than letting voters choose their representatives. And this is the part that's breathtaking. We've seen the effects of gerrymandering at every level, including more than one presidential election in recent history. Wow. I mean, my goodness, Hillary Clinton is completely delusional. First off, Republicans won in 2010 with maps that, for the most part, across the country were drawn either by Democrats or by the courts. That's right. In Wisconsin's case, in, in 2000 and, uh, and before that, 1990, when you had split, when you had split government, whether you had a, a Republican governor, a Democrat legislature, split legislature, all those sorts of things, Oftentimes, these things have ended up in the courts. In most of the states, the, the maps had been uh, drawn by, like I said, either Democrats or by the courts. But it's kind of interesting. I, I was tweeting about this this week. So there's this story from uh, The New Yorker. It was a profile done on then-candidate Barack Obama, a state senator from uh, my neighboring state of Illinois. So this guy does this profile back in the summer of 2008, and as he writes, there was some interesting stuff that uh, would come back later to be, I, I think, quite telling when it comes to the issue redistricting. Let me just tell you a little bit about it. So there's, there's this story out there written by a guy named Ryan Liza, and he writes about then-state Senator Barack Obama. One day in the spring of 2001, about a year after the, after the loss to Rush, Rush would be the congressman that uh, Barack Obama uh, was foolish enough to try and run against. So he said, one day in the spring of 2001, about a year and a half after the loss to Rush, Obama walked into the Stratton office building in Springfield, a shabby 1950s government workspace for state officials next to the Regal State Capitol. He went upstairs to a room that Democrats in Springfield called the Inner Sanctum. 
It's really important. He called the inner sanctum. Only about 10 Democratic staffers had access. Entry required an elaborate ritual. Fingerprint scanners and codes punched into a keypad. The room was large and remarkably unremarkable, except for an enormous printer and an array of computers with big double monitors. This part continues, so listen to this closely. This is what written in The New Yorker. On the screens that spring day were detailed maps of Chicago, and Obama and a Democratic consultant named John Corrigan sat in front of a terminal to draw Obama a new district. So the guy who says, and who Hillary Clinton says, each of them are saying these days that, you know, redistricting, it's somehow some Republican plot that uh, voters should be able to pick their representatives, not the other way around. The audacity, I mean, think about this, the audacity of this, Barack Obama in this profile that hasn't been refuted, to my knowledge, uh, they tell the story about how he comes into this secret, you know, it's almost like the CIA, this place, the inner sanctum, where they're drawing the maps. And Obama wants to draw his own map. You'll find out later it was largely because he wanted to have uh, a, a Senate district that would give him access to more power and more money so he could make his run for the United States Senate and then beyond. So this is just amazing. And, and it goes back to what I was saying. First off, you know, this b malarkey, as Joe Biden would say, uh, that somehow Republicans uh, gerrymandered things. No, Republicans won. I, I won Republicans in the Assembly and the Senate, uh, United States Senate candidates and House candidates in Wisconsin and across the country won in 2010. Why? Because the first two years of Barack Obama's presidency, when he had everything, the House, the Senate, and the White House, they screwed it up, and, and the country was worse off because of it. I remember in 2010, we, we ran, we were so focused. We talked about the fiscal and economic crisis facing our state and our country. I used to say we were so focused, you could ask me what my, my mother's maiden name was, and I'd say it's Fitch. And every Fitch I know cares about my plan to get the budget going again on the right way and, and get the economy back on track. We were, we were focused. And that was true not only in Wisconsin, where everything had been Democrat, and we flipped it. The Assembly, the Senate, Governor, Lieutenant Governor, U.S. Senate seat that was open, and we added two more seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. All those things happened in 2010 because people reacted. They reacted to Democrat control of the federal government. They reacted to Democrat control of the state government here in Wisconsin. And they reacted to Democrat control in many other states across the nation. That's what got people elected. And what continued to see us elected was the fact that our ideas worked. Common sense conservative reforms worked. Remember the protests and the recall that we had in 2011 going into 2012 where we faced a re unprecedented in Wisconsin history recall election. I became the first governor in American history to actually win a recall election. And we won on June 5, 2012 with, with more votes and a higher percentage of the vote than we had when we, we originally had won November 2nd of 2010. Why? Because our reforms work. You know, we inherited a $3.6 billion structural deficit. We, we turned it around. Every year in office, we had surpluses. We cut taxes by more than $8 billion, putting more money into the hands of the hardworking people of our state. We, we took an economy that was in shambles. Remember, uh, in 2010 in Wisconsin, like many states across the country, the unemployment rate peaked out early that year at 9.3%. We saw it drop dramatically. And by the end of my time as governor, over eight years, unemployment rate was consistently at or below 
which previously previously had been the all-time low. Our, our rainy day fund was 190 times bigger than we first took office. Our pension was fully funded. We did all the right things. And I have to believe that voters over and over again, not just with me, but with Republicans in the state legislature in Wisconsin and other places across the country, responded to that. Common sense conservative reforms actually work. And that's why the voters continue to keep us in office. Secondly, I, I, I listened to that to that uh, email as I was look, reading this, and I'm thinking about this as I just read it for you. My goodness. I mean, Hillary Clinton is a just plain sore loser. I mean, legislative redistricting has nothing to do with presidential politics. Uh, I mean, the closest it got was what I just talked about, the fact that Barack Obama back in 01, after a humiliating loss uh, in a bid for the United States House of Representatives against Congress and Rush, he goes out and he goes to Springfield and to the inner sanctum and, and basically builds his own state Senate district. Why? Because it gave him more motor money and more access to power, which set him up to run for the United States Senate in Illinois and obviously opened the door for his election to president. So maybe it does, but not in the way that Hillary Clinton's talking about. I mean, somehow she's implying that she lost because of redistricting. She lost because of Republicans being in power in states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan. No, those electoral votes are statewide. It's nothing to do with legislative or congressional redistricting. They, like, come on, let's just face it, lost because people just didn't like her in places like Wisconsin, like Michigan, like Pennsylvania, like Ohio, like Florida. They didn't like her, and they didn't like most of the crazy ideas she was talking about. It has nothing to do with redistricting. And, and finally, and this is something we've talked about before. I, I know last week I mentioned how worked up Eric Holder Barack Obama's former attorney general's got when I, I pointed out the fact that they just don't want certainly the media to cover, but this nonsense that somehow the National Democratic Redistricting Committee is fighting against gerrymandering, that they're fighting for so-called fair maps. That's baloney. On the form that the National Democratic, National Democratic Redistricting Committee has to file, with the Internal Revenue Service, with the IRS, it's called the Form 990. It's for nonprofits out there. On that form that they have to file with the federal government, they state clearly when it says, what's the mission of the organization? It actually is in all caps, favorably positioned Democrats for the redistricting process. Let's be clear. They, they just want to gerrymander districts to help Democrats win. Well, I don't want to talk some more about that and tell you a little bit about what the solution is. But first, let's take a quick break. I'm Scott Walker. We're back here on You Can't Recall Courage. And as I was saying, in fact, it's spelled out again in that New Yorker story I was talking about earlier. In fact, the author goes on to write further down in his story, the, quote, the partisan redistricting of Illinois may have been the most important event in Obama's early political life. It immediately gave him the two things he needed to run for the Senate in 2004, money and power. He needed, to have several, he needed to have several times as much cash as he'd raised for his losing congressional race in 2000. And many of the state's top donors now lived or worked in his district. More important, the statewide gerrymandering made it likely that Obama's party would take over the state Senate in 2002, an event that would provide him with the platform from which to craft a legislative record in time for the campaign. Now, this is amazing. So the guy who out just this week puts out, again, another email I got earlier in the week from All on the Line. This is Barack Obama transforming his OFA, Organizing for America, the group that got him elected and then reelected in 2012. This is to show you how, what a focus they're putting on this. 
This group has now been transformed into all on the line and their efforts to help with redistricting. They're, they're creating this new redistricting you to somehow train grassroots activists. And they fire them up. Again, you've probably seen it. There's you know places across probably communities all over this country where you, you see instead of yard signs for candidates, they talk about the need to draw fair maps and next time we'll draw a fair map. And again, that's just nonsense. That's not what they're talking about. The National Democratic Redistricting Committee Eric Holder's group out there clearly says right in their mission statement, favorably position Democrats for the redistricting process. What they want to do is gerrymander their way into permanent control of the House of Representatives. They want to make sure that Nancy Pelosi and her subsequent uh, replacement are, are going to be at least for the next decade, if not permanently in charge of the U.S. House of Representatives. This is all about money and power. It's just what I read about in The New Yorker. This is exactly what's going on throughout this entire process. The partisan redistricting in Illinois may have been the most important event in Obama's early political life. It immediately gave him the two things he needed to run for the Senate in 2004, money and power. Obama's still fighting for those same things today. So was Eric Holder and, and now Hillary Clinton and, and plenty of others on the left. This is a wake-up call. Republicans, you can't wait. You can't wait until after the 2020 census out there. This is something we have to deal with right now. So how does that tie in? Well, this is something of a uh, uh, earlier this year. I, I looked at this. I, I've been involved in the process. This group, in fact, tell you how elaborate the strategy is. So Eric Holder and his cronies have been in Wisconsin repeatedly. They, they came in in the spring of 2018. There was an open seat on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. First time in 20 years a liberal had won an open seat. Why? Well, it was they targeted. They put the money behind it. Holder came in was aggressive about this along the way. They made a huge difference. And they got a liberal elected to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Then they came back in the fall and were involved not only in legislative races, but in the race for governor as well, spending tremendous amounts of money along with others like Tom Steyer and others along the way. And then their plan was really so significant, so so planned out in advance. I mean, sometimes I think as Republicans, we, we forget how far in the weeds and how far out in advance they'll go to regain power. Eric Holder was back again. He was involved in the state Supreme Court race here in Wisconsin. Now, thankfully, at the last minute, we had help from the Republican State Legislative Committee and RCSL, as well as Americans for Prosperity. And at the last minute, we just had that little burst we needed. And Brian Hagedorn, my former legal counsel, the person I appointed to the Court of Appeals here in Wisconsin, is now now officially a part of the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. But their plan had been to win this election and then to come back in the spring of 2020, when Dan Kelly, a, a justice on the Supreme Court here in Wisconsin, someone I'd appointed who's an outstanding jurist, who reminds me as much as any other on the court of, of kind of a Scalia version at the Wisconsin state level, uh, he was up and he'll be up and he still needs help, but he's up the spring of 2020 when you, of course, have every four years the presidential preference primaries on the same date as the spring primary. That means presumably there'll still be a battle for who the Democrat nominee is for their party. That means tremendous turnout. So the goal was from Holder's standpoint to win 18, 19, and then win 20. And when you win in 2020, as long as you either took over the governorship or the state legislature, you figure you need one or the other because it, uh, it gets blocked between the two competing interests and ultimately sent to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, where his goal would be to do what they've tried to do and are hoping to do in states like Pennsylvania, North Carolina, 
where they take control of the court, and in turn, the court will draw lines that benefit Democrats, that benefit those on the left. This is a part of the long-term strategy. They've been at it for a long time. In fact, if you look at just the data side of it, think about this. A lot of people don't know this. All the way back to 1948, Eleanor Roosevelt created an organization called the National Committee for an Effective Congress. What it really is is about collecting uh, and standardizing data. The data they use on the left, they, they use it for voter targeting, redistricting, election analysis, academic research, and more. And so we've finally stepped up and woke up, and I say we Republicans. It's the National Republican Redistricting Trust, for which I'm proud to now be a part of the leadership on, is really the hub for, for what we're going to be doing, not only in the 50-state redistricting strategy, but really at all levels of government, from the city council to the Congress and everywhere in between, but also the pushback on Eric Holder. You know, this strategy is to pick a state and sue until it's blue. You look at just 2018, 27 House seats, either directly or, or somewhat related, were affected in the shift from Republican to Democrat because of the work that Holder and others have done on redistricting and litigation in just six states. 14 of those seats were in states like Texas, Florida, uh, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. You had uh, another 13 states in California and Arizona because of the left's really commandeering these so-called independent commissions out there. Suddenly now you can realize that it, without these actions, you know, Kevin McCarthy might actually be the speaker right now instead of Nancy Pelosi. That's what we've got to wake up and get in the game. The National Republican Redistricting Trust and its partner entities, Fairlines America and Fairlines America Foundation, are, are really about uh, leveling the playing field. In fact, it, it's interesting. I pointed out what the, uh, the mission statement is as reported on their IRS form for the Democrat equivalent. The National Republican Redistricting Trust puts it right up on the front of their website, fighting for fair constitutional redistricting for all Americans. You see, if we just draw maps that are constitutional, if we just draw maps that keep community of interest in, that keep uh, an equal number of voters in each legislative district that account for the Voting Rights Act, those maps, if drawn objectively using those principles, Republicans will win. Because if given the chance, our ideas work, we just need to have a level playing field. The left, for all their talk about fair maps and fighting gerrymandering, it's exactly what they're doing. You don't need to telegraph it. They're doing it. You can see it over and over again. You can see it in the past. Heck, Barack Obama was a beneficiary of that himself, just in terms of the impact it had on his state Senate election and how it queued him up to be in the U.S. Senate and, and obviously the platform for running for president of the United States. We cannot let Barack Obama, we cannot let Hillary Clinton, we cannot let Her Eric Holder gerrymander Democrats into permanent control of the House of Representatives. We just cannot do that. So I certainly invite you to check out the details at the National Republican Redistricting Trust site. It's the uh, dnrrt.org, and that's a little bit of insight on what's going on with your district. It doesn't seem to be as sexy as you might think, but but they get it. They treat this almost like a cult. They're acting now. They're not waiting for the next redistricting uh, process after the 2020 census. Holder and company, with the support of Obama and Clinton and others, are aggressively acting on this. We need to wake up as well. I'm Scott Walker, and you can't recall courage. I hope I hope you have a safe and a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And until next week, keep fighting for freedom.